God bless you, church. It's good to be together in the house of the Lord today. I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 3. Matthew, chapter 3. For those of you who are with us today for the first time, we're so glad to have you with us. We welcome you. In the name of the Lord, we also just welcome you as the people of God here at Antioch Church. Uh, we are, for the next several weeks, we're, we're going to just be hitting some standalone messages. This is going to give us a lot of freedom to be spontaneous in the Lord, to follow where we feel like the Lord might have us to go in the next few weeks as we prepare our hearts for Advent. We've just come off a phenomenal series in Antioch Conversations. Prior to that, we walked through the book of Philippians. How many of you guys really enjoyed Pastor Brent and Janice Sharp with us last Sunday? Um, I tell you, we got some really, really great tools, and they spent some time with us as, as staff members and elders and life group leaders, just equipping us in our marriages. Uh, our ministry here in Antioch Church flows out of the strength of our individual relationship with God and our relationships as married couples. And so um, as we continue to get stronger in the Lord as, as married couples and as leaders who lead out of our marriages, we believe that we're going to feel that all throughout this church. So what an incredible deposit and investment that was into some of the core leaders here in this house. I want to talk with you this morning here just for, just for a few minutes about learning to live as the beloved. Learning to live as the beloved. Now, you may not realize this, and I hope that before our journey is over together, for however long that might be for us to be together, one of my prayers and one of my hopes for you is that you begin to understand, and not just understand, that you begin to live out of the deep conviction and reality that you are the beloved of God. And we're going to look here at Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. The context of this particular passage is Jesus is about to be launched into his public ministry. Uh, he's, he's roughly anywhere around the age of 30, around this time. And before he preaches his first sermon, before he heals anyone, before any of his public miracles take place, there's something that's very special that happens. He's baptized by his cousin, John. And when he's baptized, something special happens. The heavens open up, and we actually hear the voice of God, the voice of the Father, his Father, speak over Jesus. And here's what he says. He says, a voice from heaven said, this is my son. This is my son. This is my son. And then he says, whom I love and in whom I'm well pleased. Now, the New American Standard says it like this. This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Now, the actual word there, beloved, is, is a really powerful word. It's agapetas. We get that from the word agape, which is the God kind of love. And, and look at what the word beloved actually means. The word beloved means to be esteemed. It means dear. It means favorite, and it means worthy. So we could put all these words together, and we could hear the voice of the Father saying over Jesus, this is my dearly and deeply loved son. This is my esteemed son. This is my favorite son. And this is my son who is worthy. 
the, the literal working of the original language there actually could be read as such. This is my son, the beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. So it's not just a description. It's actually a pronoun. This is my son, and my son is the beloved. He is the one who is the most esteemed and the most dearly and deeply loved of all. He's my favorite. Now, here's the amazing thing. The amazing thing is, is that in Christ, that because of who the Father is, that what the Father speaks over Jesus as his deeply, dearly esteemed, beloved son, that he's actually speaking that over every single one of us. That he speaks that over you and he speaks that over me. And he speaks that over us not just when we get things right, And he speaks that over us not just because we have something awesome to contribute. He speaks that over us because in Christ, that is the reality of who you are and of who I am. That is the essence of our identity as sons and daughters of God. In 2008, many of you know this story. I've been a follower of Christ for many, many years. And in 2008, I in many ways got born again Again, I stumbled across this old used bookstore here in town called Born Again Used Books. And just as I was thumbing through books, I really felt as if the Lord drew me to a particular book and, and, and I pulled this book off the shelf called Abba's Child by a guy named Brennan Manning. Now, I'd, I'd read some of Brennan's books before, but I'd never read Abba's Child and I went home and I, and I literally devoured the book, read through it several times. That book actually led me to another book called uh, Embracing the Love of God, written by a guy named James Bryan Smith. That book led me to another book called The Way of the Heart, written by a guy named Henry Nowen. That book led me to another book called uh, from, from Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship. And in the course of about six months... God was doing heart surgery in my life. He was literally changing the way that I viewed who he was. He was changing the centering point and the centering place of how I lived my life. He was teaching me how to live as the beloved. I didn't realize it at the time. I began began adopting language like like sonship and, and the father heart of God and the father love of God. And friends, I'm here to tell you today, Antioch, that To say that this was revolutionary in my life would be the greatest understatement. Transformed the way that I reacted and related to my wife, my my daughter at that time, who was uh, just born. And it it changed the way that I related to the people that I served, to the people that I was serving. Changed the way that I related to God. Changed the way I related to myself. Changed the way that I saw how I made mistakes. It changed the, the, the measure of grace that I was able to receive and and to drink from and respond out of. And I want you to know that even to this day, I am still reaping the benefit and I'm actually still cultivating the root of sonship and living as the beloved. I've I've made a couple of mistakes in just my learning process of learning what it means to be a son. And one of those mistakes in particular is the mistake of drawing this hard dichotomy of orphanhood and sonship slash daughterhood. And and let me explain this to you. And I'm just gonna say a lot of this is out of my ignorance, a lot of this was out of my immaturity. 
But once you, once you enter into understanding what it means to live as a son or a daughter, uh, you begin becoming very sensitive and very conscious of when you and when other people are not living out of the Father's love. You begin to see it. You begin to see orphan characteristics and orphan tendencies. And the mistake that I made in my immaturity was actually writing people off as just being orphans. Oh, you're just, you're just being an orphan. And, and you know, when, when you get into greater sonship, you'll understand. And as I've grown, and by the grace of God, I, um, I found myself wrestling a couple of months ago. And I found myself saying, God, there's, 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 there's got to be a better way to frame this and to understand this whenever I start seeing myself manifest in ways that do not look like a son. And I stumbled upon it. And, and the stumbling upon it was here in this verse. And it's understanding the second part of sonship, and that is being the beloved. So looking back here at Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, here's what the father says. He says, this is my son. I got that. I got that, and I'm still getting that because we never graduate out of a revelation of sonship. But here's this critical piece. The father says, not only is this my son, this is my son who is the beloved. A few weeks ago, as I was processing some of this discovery with Christy, I, I found myself being really sensitive and insecure and overreacting about some things. And, and as I was processing through this, I said, you know what, babe, I, I, I stumbled upon something. Whenever I begin acting in such a way that doesn't look like a son, it's not that I'm being an orphan. It's not even that I'm acting like an orphan. It's that there's areas of my life that have not received the healing power of the love of God. In other words, whenever I'm not acting like a son, whenever I'm not, whenever I'm not living out of the reality of who I am as a son, it's because there's, there's, there's a void of a revelation of the love of the Father in that area of my life. And so instead of us calling each other out and saying, man, you're really acting like an orphan right now, really the best way for us to interact with each other is for us to be so sensitive and to say, is this area of your life being loved by the powerful love of the Father? And as you are responding or as we are reacting or as we're, you know, as we're seeing stuff come out of us that, that we don't like, that doesn't look a lot like God, we can ask ourselves, would we be acting like this if we had a revelation of the Father's love in this area of our lives? So what I wanna to get to today is I wanna get real practical. So I feel like we've preached on sonship many times in our journey We've laid a good spiritual foundation. We've even talked about some of the uh, inspirational elements of what it means to live as a family of sons and daughters. I'm asking the Lord and I'm, I'm on this hunt to get very practical, to identify some tools that help us translate what, what can, can tend to be a very vague and a very ambiguous and even a very spiritual concept. So if you'll, if you'll walk with me here for a few minutes, uh, I'm gonna get to some real practical elements here. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one. We're gonna look at verses three through six, and then we're gonna, we're gonna talk about how to live in 
the Father's love. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Verse four, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. He predestined us for adoption to sonship. I think that's really powerful. I've never seen that before that he predestined us, which means this has already been determined. Like your future and my future has already been determined. I'm not gonna get into the theological, you know, the theological universe of predestination, but here's what's clear. In the midst of all of that mystery and in the midst of all that uncertainty, here's what's very clear. You have been predestined. The entire human race has been predestined. We have been predestined in the love of the Father to be adopted into sonship and daughterhood. That is your predetermined destination in the love of God in Christ Jesus. Now, let's just read this verse one more time. In love, he predestined us, he predestined you for adoption to sonship. There's a distinction there. Through Jesus, and I love this, in accordance with his pleasure, in accordance with his pleasure. Why did he predestine us? To adoption, to sonship, because it pleases his heart. Because at the core of who God is, he's a father. At the core of who God is, he's a loving father and he's a good father and he's a kind father and he's a patient father and he's a gracious father. Now our human experience may not reflect that, Our human experience may make it difficult for us to see that or to understand that, but if logically we can understand this idea, that God is radically and universally different than any human experience that any of us have had with a spouse, with a parent, with a coach, with a teacher, with a pastor, with a church, God stands completely completely different and completely other than any human relationship that any of us will ever encounter. So in love, he has predestined us through adoption unto sonship because it just pleases his heart. And then it says right here, in accordance with his will. It just means he decided that this is how it's to be. Isn't that awesome? That's our future that's our, that, that is the possibility of our present reality. Even if there's discrepancy, this is what God has called us to. This is what Christ came to the earth for, to show us the ultimate picture of what it means to be a son. And we could even say in some regards what it means to be a daughter. Christ came to reveal and to invite us into that level of the love of God. All right, let's get really practical. If you're taking notes here today, I wanna give you five practical ways that we can learn to live in the Father's love. Learn to live as the beloved. Number one, ask for the Father's love. How do we learn how to live as the beloved? How do we learn how to live? We learn by asking for the Father's love. 
I've, I've developed this pattern, this rhythm in my life. Almost on a daily basis when I come to the Lord, one of the first things that I find myself saying is, Lord, teach me how to receive your love. I'll just say that. I'll begin meditating on that request. I'll say, Holy Spirit, would you show me how to receive the love of the Father? Now, what's implicit in that is that in and of myself, I don't know how to receive the Father's love. I have to acknowledge that there are things inside of me, whether because of my own brokenness, parts of me that are still being healed, whether because of my own rejection and insecurity, whether because of my own negative experiences, that there are, there are suspicions inside of me, that there are deep pockets of rejection that are inside of me that make it difficult for me to receive and trust the unconditional love of the Father. And if I'm really honest with myself, it's a lot easier to settle into the pocket of religious performance. It's much easier to settle into that pocket than to trust in the love of the Father who loves me beyond any of my performance, that loves me beyond anything valuable that I can contribute to the equation. We must have an encounter with the love of the Father. And watch this. It has to be an encounter that is accurate to what true love is. It must be an encounter that is accurate to what true love is. And here's what I mean by that. If we begin defining the Father's love based on our definition or based on our interpretation, we might grossly miss when the Father is actually pouring out his love for us. See, the, it, if we approach this the right way, what we'll see is that the greatest demonstration of the love of the Father was displayed in Christ Jesus. And, and somehow, by the power and the help of the Holy Spirit, we begin to look at who Christ is and what Christ did beyond some transactional or historical event. We begin to look at Christ and say, this is the greatest demonstration of the love of the Father for humanity at large and for me as his son or as his daughter. So we have to learn how to see love accurately. We must learn how to ask God to teach us how to live from his love. This is not intuitive. It is not intuitive for me anyway. I'll just own this. It's not intuitive for me to live from the centering point of the love of the Father. It's very, very intuitive for me to live scared, for me to live afraid, to live angry, to live suspicious, to live isolated. It's very, very easy for me to live that way. In fact, this is one of the reasons why this conversation is so important, is that when we fail or refuse or, or when we are ignorant of, of living in the Father's love, here are some of the natural effects of that. We misplace our identity. We misplace our true worth and our value. We place our true worth and our value in so many external things. And we miss that our true worth and our value has nothing to do with us. My truth and my, my, my true worth and my true value and your true worth and your true value has nothing to do with your talent, with your abilities, with how you look, 
with how well you speak, with your competencies, with your adequacies, with your education, with your experiences, with what you've accumulated. It has everything to do with something that's beyond you, that's outside of us. It has everything to do with the fact that God is who he says he is, and he is a good and a perfect father. And he has determined that you are valuable. And he has determined that we have immense value in his eyes, regardless of anything that we contribute. Regardless of how many successes or failures we've amassed in our lives, we base our value on the fact that he is who he is. And that his love is perfect and enduring and it shall never change. Now I, now I know that in a, in a culture where we're inundated with performance and comparison. This is hard. This is hard. I mean, anytime you pop on any social media platform, you're immediately confronted with what you are or are not doing that is measuring up to the world and the social standards of the people that are around you. Friends, I'm, listen, I'm here to tell you today that there is actually a standard that supersedes all of the social media chatter. It supersedes magazine pictures. It supersedes what, what the world says a good stay-at-home mom should be or a good dad should be. It supersedes all of those things. And it says, listen, you're my beloved. You are the beloved because I am a loving heavenly father. And if you can't put trust in anything that you do, put trust in me. Put trust in that. Anchor yourself in that. Now, let me just throw a disclaimer out here. Guys, this is not something that we're gonna hear today and pray a prayer and all of a sudden everything is just gonna be fixed. It's not gonna happen that way. It is a daily journey of learning how to live in and from the love of the Father. And it's a daily journey of learning how to trust the love of the Father. It's a daily journey of learning how to submit and receive deeply the love of the Father. You know, when I first got married, unbeknownst to me because of some brokenness in my own life, there was a deep suspicion that I had of Christie's love for me. And, and here's, the, here's the awful pit is that when we have not received deeply of the love of the Father, although we then resort to craving and pursuing love from other humans, there will always be this hidden latent suspicion inside of us of anything and everything that they do. Let me say this another way. There is nothing that anyone can do for you that will ever be able to replace the love of the Father. We will, all, we will find ourselves constantly hungering and constantly suspicious. Guys, I've got stories that would blow your mind and probably make you grossly disrespect me. Um, in, fact, in fact, at the men's retreat, I pretty much just said, hey guys, here's who I am and, and here's who I am when I don't live as the beloved. And it is pretty, it's pretty gross. It's pretty crazy. I remember one particular day um, in, in one of the particular disagreements that I had with Christy. And, and because of this deep, deep rejection that was inside of me, unbeknownst to me. And at this point, I had not yet discovered what it meant to 
to drink of the love of the Father and to live my life from the love of the Father. We were working through some things and there was this belief system that somewhere got embedded into my mind that no matter what she did and no matter what she said, that she really didn't love me. And that became this massive wall and that became this massive wedge between us for years. And here's the thing, it did not matter what she did. In fact, if I were to be really, really honest with myself, unbeknownst to me, there was an element of manipulation that was going on there because there's no way that she would be able to fill this inexhaustible hole that was in my life. No, no, no amount of physical intimacy, no amount of, of, of acts of service, no amount of affirming words, no, no, no number or value of gifts. Because if, if I'm honest and if we're really honest, if that thing isn't plugged up, that hole is not plugged up by the love of the Father, it is an inexhaustible void in our lives. So when we're not living as the beloved, we begin to put our worth and our value in our positions. We put our worth and our value in, our, in, in people, what people think about us, in the possessions that we accumulate, having the right stuff, having the nice stuff. We put that in our performance, how well we do, how competent we are, how well we dominate, how well we, we rule, how well we lead. Um, we become suspicious we walk in rejection, we reject others who are attempting to love us because at the core of this, we're really rejecting ourselves. We live in fear. Most control and manipulation are governed by fear. Most anger is governed by hurt and fear. Most micromanagement is governed by fear. Most of our lives, if it's not lived out of the love of the Father, it's lived out of fear. Fear of approval, fear of rejection, fear of man. We live from this deep insecurity where we're constant, constantly questioning whether or not we're good enough. Uh, when we do not live in the love of the Father, we avoid painful and hurtful issues. We live isolated. We never truly feel like we belong. And so, what do we do? We ask for the Father's love. Here's the great promise that Jesus gave us in Matthew 7. He says, ask and you will receive. I found myself saying to the Lord, God, would you reveal your love for me? That is not a selfish prayer. I'm gonna say this one more time. That is not a selfish prayer. And here's why. Because you cannot give what you do not have. And... Any amount of love that we are giving, if it is not coming from the love of the Father, if we're really honest with ourselves, most of what we're doing in the name of love is actually to get something for ourselves to fill that void that is deeply, deeply inexhaustible. So keep your prayers simple. Keep them simple. The Father's not gonna love you more because you pray longer or more elaborate or more theological, or more awesome. I've been learning to keep my prayers really simple. Holy Spirit, help me, help me. I've been asking the Lord probably now for about nine solid months. This is almost a daily prayer. Father, would you heal me? Would you heal me? 
Would you heal me with your love? Psalm 23 says that he'll cause us to lie down in green pastures. And then it says this, and I've just become fixated on this, guys. It says that he'll restore our soul. And on a daily basis, I've been saying, Lord, restore my soul. There are places inside of me that are so broken. Restore those things. Put them back together in the way that only you can. All right, number two. Not only should we ask for the Father's love, I would say number two, we ought to listen for the Father's love. Listen for the Father's love. I I remember a turning point in my life when I when I mustered up the faith to actually ask the Father to speak his love over me. And we find this in Song of Solomon. We find where the beloved is actually saying that the lover, who's a picture of Jesus, speaks tenderly over her and, and showers her with words of love. Friends, I want you to know, if you've never heard words of affection, There are words of affection that no human father or mother or spouse or lover or boyfriend or girlfriend could ever shower upon you. It is the voice of the father. It is the voice of the bridegroom, Jesus. And he has a way of of showering us with words of affection and words of affirmation like no other person can. And here's what that looks like. Ask him, Father, would you speak tenderly over me? Father, would you affirm the things that you see inside of me that are good, that look like you, that are from you, that you have created? I I think that there are things inside of us that have died. There There are things of God, there are parts of your personality, there are parts of your journey, there are parts of your experience. There are things inside of you that you enjoy doing and somewhere I think in this in this, this grossly broken construct of religious performance, we have killed or we have set aside or we have let die because we've not had this understanding that that love for cooking or that love for food or that love for the outdoors or that love for adventure or that love for, for sci-fi books or that, now everything within moderation, obviously, and everything always, always, open-handedly laid out before God. But listen, I think there are some things inside of us that in this gross sense of trying to please God, we've, 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 uh, we've given him our offerings that he's never asked for. Allow the Father to affirm you. Take time. This takes time. You know, when, when Christy and I tell each other that we love each other on the fly, It's one thing, but when we sit down and we cut time out of our schedule to look at each other and to be attentive to one another and to to receive deeply from one another. You know, there are times, even even post-sonship revelation, where, where Christy has spoken tenderly over me and I've not received them. And it's not because I've not received them because there was something inside of me that was rejecting it or suspicious of it. It's because I didn't take the time to absorb it. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? I did not take the time to let it settle. I didn't take the time to let it get down deep inside of me. Now listen, it's like, uh, it's like drinking or eating anything that tastes very good and is very expensive. You don't just slam that junk down, man. You gotta savor it. 
you got to sip it. You got to you got to take a bite and you got to you, you got to you got to taste the flavors on that thing and set the fork down and then you got to talk a little bit and you got to enjoy it and then you take another and bite and and that's what we need to learn how to do with the father's love. And that's what we need to learn how to do from the love of the people that are in our lives is to absorb that, is to internalize that, is we, we must develop the discipline of receiving. It's, it's one of the powerful opportunities that we have in time alone with God. Now, unfortunately, I think what's happened in our time alone with God is we've turned this into another hoop that we've got to jump through in order to earn his love or earn his approval or earn his affection. When I, I promise you, I've, I've been doing this a lot more in my life. Guys, my quiet times look pretty boring because I really just sit and I have a lot of internal dialogue with the Lord. I'll pray, I'll pray one of these one word or these one sentence prayers. Holy Spirit, teach me how to receive the Father's love. I'll reflect a lot. I'll be quiet and I'll wait to hear his voice. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you this this morning. Last night, as I was looking over notes that, that were for this message, there was a completely different message that was laid out for this morning. Early in, early in the quiet hours of this morning as I got alone with the Father, uh, not to prepare for a message, not to preach a dynamic sermon, but to just listen to the Father's heart. I felt in my being, the Father just gently love on me and say, would you share this with my people? Would you, would you lead my people into learning how to live as my beloved? So even what's happening this morning is coming out of the overflow of learning how to just be silent and listen to the voice of the Father's love. I would also say this, learning how to hear his voice through others. Now, let me just take about two minutes and talk about the power of an affirming culture in a community. The power of shaping a culture of affirmation in your marriage, in your family, the power of, of creating an affirming culture in a church, in a life group, in a men's ministry, in a women's ministry. I think it's because of our, of our insecurity but I know a lot of guys, myself included, we've adopted the language of sarcasm as our primary vehicle of connection. And I think, I'm suspicious, I think that that is because deep inside of us, we're afraid of authenticity. That we, we don't really know how. We're, we're, we're so devoid of the security that comes from being rooted in the love of the Father and being grounded in who he is as the beloved that we, we cover up our communication with sideways talk. And instead of the risk and the courage of honesty and tenderness and vulnerability. And I know that's not just a guy thing. I know gals get involved in that as well. But my proposal to us as a people is that as we continue to become rooted in the love of the Father, that we allow that to shape our language and we allow that to shape our communication one with another. And we actually begin to look for the good that we see in each other and to speak that into and over one another, trusting and believing that there is, I'm gonna use a big word here, something sacramental even about the words that we share. 
something that is, that is deeply spiritual where, where even heaven would fill the container of our words and there would be divine encounters even in the things that we say one to another. I remember in, in, in one of my darkest moments of this past season, I received a letter from a friend and the letter from that friend was, was very simply this friend walking through characteristics of the Lord that he saw in my life and highlighting them. And I wept and wept and wept and wept and wept as I allowed the, the voice of the Father through the vehicle of my friend's words just to wash me and to reground me, to cleanse me, and, and to, to reorient me to what is actually true about who Jay Duncan is. All right, number three, we are to ask for the Father's love. We're to look for the Father's love and we're to listen. Actually, I'm sorry, to listen for the Father's love and we're to look for the Father's love, to look for it. What do I mean by that? There's numbers of ways that we can actually condition our eyes to look for the Father's love. Number one, we look for the Father's love in Scripture primary place where we find out who the father is and what he thinks about us and what he says about us is in his word. In seasons of my life, I would, I would just jot down all of the identity scriptures and pray those over my life, receive those into the core of my identity. Number two, we look for the father's love in our reflection by looking backwards by ending the day by saying, where did I see the Father's love for me today? Conditioning ourselves with this habit. This doesn't have to be lengthy. In fact, with, with a phone or a journal or even without either of those, sitting down before we go to sleep and saying, Holy Spirit, show me how the Father was loving on me today that I wasn't aware of. One thing that marriage has helped me it's helped me to realize that there are a lot of times that, that Christy is actually demonstrating some pretty radical love for me. I'm just not seeing it. And in fact, some of our greatest uh, tensions as a married couple has come because of my accusation and blame that she is not loving me. And then when she actually begins to roll back the, the veil and she begins to remind me of all these things, it just, it just hits me. Oh, my word. It's not that she's not loving me. It's that I haven't conditioned my eyes to see and to receive and to respond. And we can do this with the Father. We can, we can teach our eyes to see and to recognize how the Father is loving us and to take inventory of these things. We can practice gratitude. Practicing gratitude is one of the easiest ways that we condition our eyes to look for the love of the Father. Vulnerability. This is one of the ways that, that we look for the Father's love. What do I mean by that? Have you ever shared this with the Father? Have you ever said, Lord, when you did that, man, that really made me feel deeply loved? Now, this is a great tool in marriage. But it's, it is a step of vulnerability. It's a step of saying, because deep inside of us, there's something in our subconscious person that says, don't share that with God, because if you do, it'll never happen. You don't want to be disappointed. 
But the vulnerable step here is, Lord, I'm gonna look for your love by letting you know that when you've done these things in my life before, it has communicated immaculate security and depth of love and value to me. Here's, here's something else. Look for the Father's love in the unique way that he has created you. Some of you are artists and you receive the Father's love in a very artistic way. I don't know what that way is because I'm not wired that way. Some of you are a little more cerebral. I, I, I think another one of my mistakes early on in life was, was I presumed that everyone needed to receive the Father's love the way that I did. And so if they weren't a basket case bawling emotionally before God, I was like, oh man, you, you don't have it yet. There, there were some people, that's just, not the, that's just not the way they're wired. And you may receive the love of the Father in a way that is very, very cerebral, in a way that's very, very intellectual. Some of you may receive the love of the Father in working with your hands that may make you feel alive. In fact, I would say for those of you who are wired that way, the next time you find yourself fixing something, creating something, building something, sense the pleasure of God on your life. I, I, I encourage you, take a moment to stop and to even just take a look at your hands. Take a look at that which you are participating in the handiwork of God with and say, God, I'm receiving your love on me and through my life today. Uh, number four, we must submit to the Father's love. This one's a tough one. Because this deals with our heart and it deals with our mind. It deals with mindsets. Our thinking is key. Our, we must identify mindsets in our lives that do not reflect the Father's love and bring them to him for him to adjust. And he'll adjust them. We must learn to submit every voice to the Father's voice. If, if we're really honest with ourselves, there are voices that play in our mind and in our subconscious and our heart that are not the voice of the Father. They're voices of accusation. They are voices of condemnation. There are voices that speak to you. You'll never be good enough. You're a failure. They're vo they, they are voices of the enemy and they're learned voices. And what we must do is learn to capture those voices and say, Father, I submit this voice. I, I submit this thought to you. Will you speak to this thought? Because I want your voice to be the preeminent and predominant voice in my life. This one's tough because it requires that areas of our lives that have been hurt and rejected and have been broken, that we bring those and we say, Father, speak to those things. I submit these to your love. All right, number five, here's the last one. We must learn to participate in the Father's love. So we ask the Father for his love. We, we listen for it. We look for it. We submit to it. And then we participate in it. I, I think one of the greatest ways that we learn to grow in the love of the Father, we grow in sonship, we grow in daughterhood, we grow in our life as the beloved is when we begin to participate in the Father's love. First John chapter four, verse 11. If you'll just jot that down. First John chapter four, verse 11 and 12 says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. To a degree, 
We will never become complete in our sonship or daughterhood. We'll never become complete as the beloved until out of the fullness of the Father's love, we give that away. Very practically, we participate in the Father's love when we forgive. We participate in the Father's love when we serve. In fact, for all of you in your home life, with your spouses, with your children, with your coworkers, with your boss, with, the per- with your neighbor, with the people that you don't really feel that loving towards. Every time we are here setting up a chair, my commendation to you is this. Pick up that Kleenex box, pick up those water bottles, throw away that trash, straighten the chairs, set up tables and say, God, I am, I am giving the love of the Father to the people that are around me. Every time we greet in the church, in the streets, in the home, Every time we welcome, every time we open our arms, every time we embrace, we are participating in the love of the Father. Every time you open up your table, when you cook a meal, when you say a kind word, when you encourage someone, you are participating in the love of the Father. Every time you give, every time you initiate, when you choose to trust, when healing comes to a place in your life, you'll know that it's, it's entering a place of complete and mature healing when you can learn to initiate and trust again. Friends, let's stand to our feet this morning. You know, I just had this thought, and uh, I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit or not, but I'm just gonna go with it. And the thought is, there might be some of you right now in this very moment that are thinking, you know, I've, I've heard this before, I know this, I should be a lot further along than this. Friends, that's it's not the voice of the Father. He's patient with your journey. And even that word patient, I, you know, you can hear that. And if you're not hearing that centered in the love of God, you can just be thinking to yourself, God, he's, he has to be patient with me. Let me say it like this. The Father delights in where you are delights in where you are right now, wherever you are in your journey, because he delights in you. Part of renewal, part of sanctification, part of, part of living the Christian life is, part of it is stumbling and, and part of it is strategic, but we're, we're just, we're learning what it means to walk in and live in the love of the Father. And guys, I'm chief of all chief of all I feel like I feel like in a lot of ways I'm I'm starting over and I embrace that and I I pray that we embrace that as a people I want to invite you today to come to this table it is a table that has been set by a father it is a table that reminds us of his demonstration of love And I'm gonna pray that something very powerful happen when we receive these elements. I'm gonna pray that something sacramental happen. I'm gonna pray that something of heaven, something of the spirit would touch these natural things. I'm gonna pray that our hearts would open. I'm gonna pray that the love of the Father out of our relationship with him become more real than it's ever been. And with that, I invite you today, come and receive from the table of the Lord and we'll receive together.